Our search for truth continues. In this crazy world where you hear one thing today and another tonight, we all want to know what is true. And as I told you on our first episode, there are only two sources of truth. One is research and one is revelation. Research is good, but it's not always accurate, and it can change. Revelation never changes. It's from God, and it's not conditioned on circumstances. And that's why we go to the Bible to learn the truth. And today we want to take a verse in Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. We're talking about the Bible being the Word of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth, and He is the Word. And we're told in John that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We're told in Genesis that God spoke a Word and everything was created. We're told in the New Testament, in Colossians, that Jesus created everything. So here we have Jesus, the visible expression of the invisible God, the Word of God, revealing truth to us. And he told us that all Scripture is given from God and is profitable for us. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and see what does the Word of God do? And why do we need the Word of God to do what it wants to do? 412 Hebrews, for the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now let's go back and take this verse apart. The Word of God is quick. And I want to pause there and remind you that that means fast acting. I've had Hundreds of people tell me that they've been in a desperate emotional situation. They are believers. They have Christ in their heart. And they know they've been this way for so long, it's going to take them so long to get out of it. And it breaks my heart when I hear people say that. Because the Word of God works quick. You pray. You seek God's face and you will find him, and he will give you directions to get out of the emotional pit you're in, and he'll do it quickly. Since my husband died, there are days I wake up and I think, oh, I just don't want to live without him. I miss him so much. And I just have the what my mother used to say, doldrums, and I drag myself out of bed. And then I just pray, and I say, Lord, forgive me for complaining and feeling sorry for myself, because that's all I'm doing. Help me to rejoice that Sam is in heaven. He no longer has brain cancer. His body is perfect, and he is with you, and one day I will see him. Help me to remember that, Lord. And it's just amazing how quickly my joy returns. Joy meaning I'll possess something good. You can't go through the day dragging around 
feeling sorry for yourself and have joy. And so just remember, the Word of God is quick, and we need to be quick to obey it. We need to be quick to learn it and quick to obey what it says. And it's powerful. There's nothing any more powerful than the Word of God. I look back to the first Bible class I ever went to. I've told you before, I didn't like it. I was 33 years old. I didn't want to go to Bible class. We went to to satisfy a dentist that had been kind to Sam, and it was in his home. And I thought, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. I can't stand all these crazy people with their Bibles. One person saying, Amen. The Bible teacher just reading out of the Bible. It was creepy. But the very next day, I woke up and there was a Bible verse in my mind. I promise you, I didn't even know I heard it. It was the one verse I needed. It was the book of John, where Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. I had everything to make anybody happy. Great husband, great children, great friends, new house, new car. Everything was going right for me, but I wasn't happy. There was something missing. And it's just amazing to me that God took us to that Bible class. That Bible teacher never even spoke to me. She taught that verse, and God laid it on my heart, and I didn't even know it. And the next day I woke up hoping that nobody would find out that I went to that Bible class. My friends would think I was crazy because none of my friends went to Bible classes. We all went to church, but we didn't go to these crazy, kooky, home Bible classes. And the verse came to my mind, and I thought, what I need is an abundant life. I have all the possessions that should give it to me, and it hadn't. And it was that day that I invited Jesus Christ to come into my life. I didn't even know what I was doing. But I said, Lord, if you can give me an abundant life, just do it. And that's all I said. I didn't say, oh, Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me for my sin and I repent. I didn't do all that. I just said, God, if you can do that, do it. And it was two days later. I remember it as if it was yesterday. There was a song in my heart I had never known before. And something else happened that was weird. I had a desire to study the Bible. So I grabbed this little Bible I married with. I looked up that verse. And as I began to read in the book of John, I read that you have to be born again and you have to ask Jesus to come into your life. And I remember kneeling by my bed hoping nobody would see me, and asking him to give me his life if I didn't have it. And that was the beginning of the most exciting life anybody could ever imagine, ever dream of. My Christian life took me around the world seven times. Sam and I had the most exciting adventure, sharing Christ with people all over and seeing them come to Christ. So remember, when you read the Word of God or you quote it to someone, 
It's power. There's power in the word. It's powerful. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. I love the fact that there's a two-edged sword. There are three different kinds of swords mentioned in the Bible. One is a piercing sword. It's not sharp on the edges. It just has a sharp point. And so in order to use it, you have to thrust it forward and bring it back and thrust it forward again. Then there's the sword that has a sharp edge only on one side. And so if you have that sword in your right hand and the sharp edge is on the left of the blade, then you have to you have to swing it to the left, bring it back, and swing it to the left and bring it back. But with a two-edged sword, it's sharp on each side and it's pointed at the end. And you can use it any way you want to. You can thrust it forward, you can rip it to the right and rip it to the left, and you don't have to waste time bringing it back and getting it in place again. And that's the way the Word of God is. We really don't believe how powerful it is. But it's amazing. The Bible teacher that we went to believed this verse. And I remember one time she said, you know, you don't have to you don't have to explain the Bible to people or defend it. She said, just stick them with it. And I thought, isn't that funny? You just stick them with it. And it does God's work. It isn't up to me to do God's work. It's up to me to learn what His Word says and to quote it to people and let God's work that is powerful and quick and sharp do God's work. Now, it pierces and divides asunder the soul and the spirit. Now, we've talked about this in other episodes, but the soul is the seat of the personality. It's the mind, the will, and the emotion. It's through our soul that we express ourselves and we communicate with others. The spirit of man is that part that communicates with God. And that's the part of us that needs to be made alive. And that's why we have to be born again. Because we're born soulishly and physically alive and spiritually dead. And that's why we can't understand the things of God. Because the Spirit of God doesn't live in us. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to reveal the truth to us. And so He will, he will reveal to you the, the, what you're thinking In your soul, your mind is the most important part. You fill your mind with the Word of God, which is is the power of God. And then you use it, and the Spirit of God will reveal to you the right emotions you have and the wrong emotions you have, the right choices you make and the wrong choices you make. And it will confirm that you've done right because you feel good about your decisions. Now, the joints and the marrow, of course, you cannot divide the marrow from the joints. It's the marrow of the bones that produces the blood in the body. Without the marrow, you can't live. But it also discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the most amazing thing to me that before that day that Christ came into my life, 
I was blind to the intents of my heart and the desires that I had. And once he came in, he showed me the desires that were correct and the intents that were right. Now, why do we know that? Why do we need that? Let's look at two Old Testament verses. Let's look in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. This says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Deceit is one of the most deadly sins that man has. We've talked to numerous couples who had marriage problems, and they would sit in our living room, and the wife would say something, and the man would look at her and say, I never heard you say that before. I didn't know you felt that way. And vice versa. The wife, the man would say something, and the wife would say, Why didn't you ever tell me you felt that way? And I remember our mentor, Dr. Brandt, said, When you do marriage and parenting counseling, deceit will be your number one problem because people don't tell the truth. And I look back on my own life, and I didn't tell Sam the truth. He would come home, and I would be mad, but I didn't want him to know I was mad. And he would say, is something wrong with you? And I would say, nope. And he would go away, and I would think, well, you don't care, or you'd ask twice. He knew something was wrong with me. Why didn't I tell him? Probably because I was angry. And I couldn't afford to express myself in anger. But once I became a Christian and learned how to confess my sin and be loving and patient and kind by the power of the Holy Spirit, then I could say to him, yes, there's something wrong with me, and this is what it is. And I found that he always listened, and he was always sympathetic, and he was always caring. But if he didn't know what was wrong with me, then how would he know? He couldn't care. By the same token, he would do me that way. If he thought I would be mad at him, he wouldn't tell me the truth. And we had to finally sit down and say, this is wrong. So it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One person knows it, and that is God. And he chooses to reveal it to us through his word. I don't like it when I get convicted, but I can take it when it comes from the word of God. But when it comes from other people, they tell me I'm wicked. I don't take it that well. Now, in conclusion, let's look at Isaiah chapter 57, verses 20 and 21. Please hear this, friends. If you don't have a clean heart, you are wicked. And listen to this description of you. It says you're like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace to the wicked, saith my God. How wonderful that we can have peace, but not if we're wicked. How wonderful that the Word of God convicts us of wickedness, searches our hearts and our minds, and shows us 
what needs to be confessed so we can walk in peace. We went to the beach when I was young growing up, and I hated seaweed. I was a little girl, I think I was nine. If the seaweed got on me, I screamed. It was slimy, and I couldn't get it off. And when I read this verse, I realized that when there was a storm brewing, the troubled sea caused the seaweed to to tear away from the bottom of the ocean and rise to the top, and it made it unattractive and unpleasant to swim. Let's don't be that way. Let's let the Word of God do the work of God, convict us of sin, walk in peace, share His Word with others, and see them do the same thing. Bless you for listening. Share it with others. God bless you.